Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. I am joined today by Tiffany Myers. Tiffany is a director of brand and creative at Built-in, a tech recruitment platform that helps companies hire top talent by amplifying what's unique about their employer brands. Myers brings to bear her experience as a journalist, having written for the likes of Forbes.com, AdAge, an entrepreneur, and as a creative director for such agencies as Leo Burnett. In her tenure at Built-in, she's helped customers tell employer brand stories that resonate, and she helps lead the company's brand, creative, thought leadership, and comms. And I love that you say comms, because I always say comms too. (laughs) Myers is a co-host of Built-in's Technically People, what a catchy name, a podcast about pressing matters in the talent enablement community. We're so happy to have you with us here today. Hello, Tiffany. Hi, Cindy. Thank you. I am really excited to be here. Yeah, why say the full word? <laughs> I know. I love it. I love reducing. I know I feel like I teach classes regularly, and I also feel like I somewhat make up words in my classes, and I forget that they are participants that don't hear our everyday lingo. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm so happy to have you. I know um, we're going to get to some of the stuff that really resonated with me when I met you for the first time, Tiffany. But before we do that, um, I want people to hear and understand a little bit more about this company that you are such a leader within. So can you tell the listeners a little bit more about what Built-In is and what they do? I would be delighted to. So Built-In, we are a tech recruitment platform. And every month, millions of tech professionals. So at this point, we are at 3.4 million tech professionals who visit our site monthly to read our content, to learn about tech trends and tech news, to take our coursework so that they can build their skills, and to discover companies with opportunities that they would like to join. So we're a two-sided tech recruitment platform. So on the other side of our platform, we serve employers of all sizes, across sectors, and across the U.S., and we help them fill their open roles. And we do that by telling the stories of, of their culture, their tech, of their people. And so really what we're doing is we're amplifying what is unique about their employer brand to an audience that they really can't find anywhere else. And so when our users are inspired by what they see um, and what they read, they apply to our customers' jobs. So that's how we drive results. It's amazing to me. And and I'll tell you, I mean, there were so many things about when Tiffany and I first met, there were a lot of things that we had had a conversation about and my ears perked up on. But definitely, especially with the philosophy at HCI, um, when we talk about uh, human resource business partner, our strategic, the philosophy behind that strategic role, one of those things that we talk about from an HR function is the idea of employer brand. And I know when you and I spoke about it, I was like, ding, 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 ding. That's amazing to me because I do think, right, well, especially right now, or maybe in the last couple of years, it has become such a priority, but I know you all have been working on this for some time. But for those that maybe this is newer to their portfolio to think about it this way, can you tell us what your perspective of employer brand means? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there are actually so many definitions right now floating around with regard to employer brand, but I actually personally like to start by defining what it is not. So employer brand, it's not just your logo and it's not just your look and feel. It's not just your EVP or even your messaging. An employer brand is the sum total of every interaction that you have with candidates, with employees, and increasingly, and we'll get to this in a bit, um, with the public at large. And so really the point of all that is that employer brand is not static. It is experiential. So employer brand is the culture you promise. And then, you know, this is the key, then you deliver for employees. It's your candidate journey. And that's, you know, starting from the interview process to your offer letter. And actually the way that you do not extend an offer is just as important in terms of, you know, your employer brand reputation, because candidates, they will remember, right? Um, You know, the idea that's kind of coming to the forefront now about employer brand is that we really need to start treating our candidates like they are consumers. Um, So would you ever make a, a customer wait forever to get a decision? Would you ever give them a rejection letter or ghost them? Absolutely not. And so if we can kind of reframe and think of candidates as consumers, I think we're going to be doing a lot of good for our employer brands. So I also like thinking about brand as, you know, and it's been described this way as the art of deliberate differentiation. But I think it's important for in the context of recruitment and retention in particular, because candidates, of course, they care about benefits and total rewards and comp, but it's not really enough today. Uh, There is a finite pool of really sought after really top talent. So that means that every company is more or less working to attract the same candidates. And that means give or take, these companies are offering roughly the same total rewards packages. So that's why differentiation is so critical. You know, recruitment, it's not a quantity play. You don't need more candidates, you need the right candidate. So instead of trying to be all things to all people, and this is something you hear marketers say all the time, you need to use your employer brand to show how you are different. So candidates who are not inspired by that, So candidates who are not aligned with your values, with your mission, they're going to find employment elsewhere. And you actually want that, right? You know, you want the reverse to be true. You want the right people to be inspired by what you stand for, because those are the people who are going to help you innovate well in the future. I always jot down notes as I'm listening in and always, you know, keywords. And I appreciated, Tiffany, how you mention you know, they're going to remember even how we say no, because we have to treat these candidates like consumers. Most definitely, you know, thinking about the time that we have our candidates kind of waiting for, for us to make a decision or waiting for an interview. Is that something we would ever do for a customer? No, we do all we can to, you know, make sure the line in the retail store is short. Um, And given that, you know, our candidates are out there spreading through word of mouth the experiences that they have, good and bad, on social, on review sites. It's really critical that we reframe the way we think about how we treat our candidates and the experiences that we create for them. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's so funny. Soon as you said, you know, would we make folks wait in a line, I my brain immediately went to 
you know, just experiences recently, I know everybody's managing fewer staff, if you will, or running leaner, and they do try to uh, set up skills across different stores so that people can relieve when that line does get long. And so I do notice that. I mean, I know that's we're not talking about recruitment, but that's that same feeling. I do notice those places that they're saying, come on, you all, we have to get this line down. And I can imagine as a candidate, I would feel that same and I would feel that same pride right? Even if you didn't make me wait, (laughs) when you don't make me wait for whether it is yes or no. Well, you also made me think about something else, which is around the evolution of brand as you were talking. But before I get to that, Tiffany, when you and I had talked about having you on this podcast, and it's kind of just stayed in my mind, and I loved this, and I thought maybe you could build on this for, no pun intended, but I thought you could build on this for our listeners, but this was a statement you had made. Your company has a talent brand, whether you build it or not. And it just kept me scratching my head because it was so profound. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. That is David Breyer, who is a brand consultant and an author, wrote the book Brand Intervention, which, you know, actually a lot of the references that I will make today are about consumer brand, but they are very much applicable to employer brand. And so in this case, yep, you do. You have a brand, whether you actively manage it or not. And so take that to the logical conclusion If you are not actively managing your brand, what does that mean? It means candidates and employees, they're going to manage it for you. They're going to do it on review sites, as I mentioned, on social media, through word of mouth. You know, Jeff Bezos actually made a corollary point that I've always liked, again, about consumer brand, but very much applicable to employer brand. He said, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So I think that it's just very, very hard to regain control of your narrative once other people, once your candidates have taken over to do it for you. So, you know, we were talking earlier about the definition of an employer brand. And I think you most definitely could also define it as the practice of taking ownership of your narrative before other people do it for you. Wow. I love that. That's a really strong statement to make. And I think, you know, when you were talking about employer brand, I'm like, was it always like this? So I do want to ask you about evolution, but do you think that more employers are recognizing that statement that you just made? Oh, 100%. For sure, employers are aware of, you know, with the rise of review sites in particular, and the battle that that creates in having to kind of, you know, make sure that you're responding. And I mean, better than responding, of course, is creating an experience that's positive, whether you make the offer or not, so that, you know, when they do go on those review sites, it's it's positive. But I think that has actually been one of the um, impetuses for companies and leaders to understand, you know, we do really have to control this narrative. And that is something that built in is designed to help take control and uh, ownership of, of the stories they're telling. Yeah. Well, and that just leads right in and you may even, you know, end up coming back to a little bit of what you shared, but I am really curious, as I mentioned earlier, as you were talking about employer brand, I couldn't help but think, you know, even with our HCI courses where we do talk about employer brand, I just think 
we're words on a slide, right? And we kind of add to it or we've got our um, script that goes along with that. But I suspect in the last decade that there has been a shift. So from your perspective, you're in it. Obviously, like I said, we just kind of dovetailed a little bit from what I had just asked about if, you know, those organizations are being mindful of that controlling the narrative. But what have you seen with that evolution um, with that employer brand as a discipline? Okay, so I love this question as someone who is just a total geek for employer Yay! brands. We love people like this. <laughs> we love geeks. Go geeks. Um, you know, employer brand is actually in relative terms, at least, right? Um, it is a new discipline. It was originally defined in a pretty obscure academic journal in 1996. So quite a while ago. However, it does seem to have sort of languished there for years. You know, employer brand, and, you know, I will concede it is still a bit of an afterthought. You know, it can fall on the plate of the recruitment team, people who came up through the ranks of TA, not necessarily through marketing. And then on top of that, there is this tension because it can be really hard to get the attention of the marketing department, which often has people with expertise to build the brand, but not the bandwidth. So I have kind of taken lately to calling employer brand the most business critical discipline you've never heard of. But, and this is what is truly so exciting to me. That is changing. We're in a transitional period. Employer brand is getting its due. You know, there are a couple of reasons for that. First off, no one today would ever deny its ROI in terms of recruitment and retention. So yes, to kind of answer your earlier question, I do think leaders and companies are becoming more and more aware of its power. But we know from research that a great employer brand, it's going to slash cost per hire. In fact, it's going to slash it by half if you have a really strong brand. We also know candidates, they say they would not work for a bad brand, for a negative brand, a brand with a negative reputation, even if it came with a pay raise. So it's really, really important to candidates. They are paying very, very close attention right now. They're watching your employer brand intently, really to look for signs of strength and stability in you know, in the current downturn, they're going to remember the brands that stand for something and that stand out at this time. And then from a recruitment perspective, you know, we know your current employees, they're not going to stay with you if you don't have a strong mission, a strong vision, if you don't have a purpose beyond profit. So, you know, I do think that most of us, at least people who are listening to this podcast are going to be familiar with those particular proof points. But this is, to me, what's the newest and most exciting development and the thing that is kind of um, propelling the maturation of the discipline, which is that today, and this is something leaders and companies are, are in fact, becoming more aware of, employer brand, it affects not just recruitment and not just retention. It influences revenue. So I have a number from Career Arc that I often refer to, which is that 96% 96% of companies believe employer brand can positively or negatively impact revenue. So again, the conversation is expanding from just this kind of conversation that we've always had about recruitment and retention and the intersection of employer brand. So we really have come a long way from that, you know, from that academic journal. That's really exciting. <laughs> it is. It is very exciting. I cannot wait. And I am loving the ride. I'm loving watching how people's awareness is growing exponentially. 
So why is it that employer brand is affecting revenue? It's because consumers care. Consumers now have a relationship with your employer brand in a way that I do not think they did way back in 1996. They care about your employee experience. So we look at Edelman's annual trust barometer, which is a study that has made the claim that trust is the new brand equity. Again, this is a study about consumer branding, but again, very, very pertinent to employer brand. So in this study, Edelman found that consumers are seven times more likely to buy from a quote, trusted consumer brand, which is kind of like, okay, that's fine. But how do consumers define a quote unquote, trusted consumer brand? Because I will tell you, it is not what you probably think when you think of the consumer space. It has nothing to do with price or product or position. Consumers in this study said that a trusted brand is a company that, number one, protects their workers' rights, and number two, pays a living wage. And so to me, what's very interesting, exciting, cool, awesome, great, is that that is 100% employer brand. So I think for people who are really passionate about this discipline, that is where I think things are becoming really, really exciting. This intersection of consumer and employer brand, it's driving, it's propelling momentum for the discipline. And I personally cannot wait for the day that business embraces employer brand, you know, the same way it's embraced consumer brand for one, for sure, but also, you know, some of these like very cool disciplines like design thinking. I happen to believe employer brand is just as cool as design thinking. So we really are, I think, on the precipice. Yeah, it's amazing. And hopefully we have an opportunity to kind of come back to design thinking or human-centered design, whatever language we might want to use around that. So your internal employer brand that is now impacting your consumer brand that is now impacting your <laughs> your employee brand, right? And it's raising revenue. It could potentially, you're raising revenue because you've, you have made it a discipline in your organization, right? It certainly could boost those sales. Yes, because you have made it a discipline in your organization, but also because of the zeitgeist, right? Consumers okay. now care how people are treated yes. in the workplace. Yes. It is now right. a topic that matters to all to human them. beings because all human beings, well, most human beings are workers themselves and they're willing to pay a premium. In fact, you know, also this is a corollary to it, but um, the premium for brands that uh, you know, make a difference and an impact, a positive impact in the world. So all of these things are intertwined as people become more socially aware. And being socially aware means being aware of how companies are treating their employees and what it means to, you know, have a job that brings you fulfillment and that allows you to make ends meet and have the human rights you deserve. Yep. I love it. And it's a great, like I said, I so appreciate it as you started your journey from 1996 and shared those, like, we probably know this, but did you know this? I really appreciated how you set that up for our listeners. So thank you for bringing that full circle. Um, I'm watching time here. Hopefully we'll have a chance to come back to our human-centered design slash design thinking. But before I do, talk to me, since we're talking about shifts, what about this idea 
of recruitment to what we're kind of hearing the phrase of recruitment marketing. What does that mean to you all or what's the perspective on that? Yeah, most definitely the TA community has had to make that shift. And I can kind of just start out by setting the stage. You know, we have to be aware that these very, very skilled, very, very qualified candidates, they're harder to hire than ever. And this is even in the current economic headwinds that we're facing. The Wall Street Journal just published an article recently that we really think is an incredibly interesting point, which is that if we are headed toward a recession, you know, the recessions of the past, we've called them jobless recessions, right? If we are to enter a recession, still as of this recording, right, it might change tomorrow, but, you know, the threat of the recession is looming large, but it is a job full recession, right? The job market is strong, even though this threat of recession is very, very real, But I think, you know, too, the situation is especially dire when you look at tech candidates in particular. Companies are breaking all sorts of records in terms of their investment in innovation. But at the same time, there is a shortage of people who have the digital skills to make tech innovation possible. So there are twice as many open tech roles as there are qualified candidates. And that means a competition for tech talent. It's steep right now, and it's going to be steep for the long haul, right? This massive tech talent shortage that we have, this is not a short-term issue. So in any case, that's sort of just the setting the stage component. But I want to give you the upshot, which is that going back to the shift to recruitment marketing, qualified professionals, in-demand professionals, they are not spending their time on career sites, right? They don't need to. Getting an email from a recruiter for them it's noise, it's spam. And it's not enough anymore to post a job and hope that the right people are going to see it and be interested at the moment they happen to kind of activate and want to apply for a new opportunity. So all of that is old school recruitment. And old school recruitment, that was based on hope, hoping for the best, right? Throwing up a job post and hoping people see it. But hope, as any marketer will tell you, is not a strategy. So This is why TA has needed to make the shift to recruitment marketing. And a major part of recruitment marketing is brand building. And so that's really what we help our customers do at Built-In. We help them think and act like marketers, right? So we say, all right, let's figure out who you're targeting as ideal candidates. Let's figure out what they care about. And then let's tell those stories and let's tell them consistently over the course of their full career journeys, including when they are not actively seeking. And, you know, most of our users have built in, and I would say that it's important for people everywhere to be in front of passive candidates because our candidates, they come to built in to take courses, stay up on trends, but there is a big benefit in terms of brand building um, if you are in front of candidates when they are not actively seeking because you're building affinity for your brand over time so that it sticks, right? And every marketer, they're going to tell you they think about stickiness as a concept all day, all night. You know, when you've done that work, when you've gotten in front of candidates, you know, as part of their media diet, when they see you every day, wherever they are, wherever they're spending their time, if it happens to be on built-in or on a tech platform, When that candidate is ready to make a move, you're already on their radar as an employer of choice. You've captured Mindshare, you've captured their hearts, you've captured their imagination. So they're going to want to apply to the companies they're aligned with. 
Well, you know, and it's interesting because as you were saying that, I'm thinking um, I don't spend a lot of time on social media, but I do on a couple of sites. And I'm just thinking about a couple of companies that I just naturally follow, but I never thought about it. Now, people in the TA world are like, oh, come on, Cindy. Of course, that's what it's called. But um, I never thought that's what's happening, right? They really are mark. I mean, they're also just kind of sharing a little bit about their organization um, to get it out there, but that is what's happening, right? They're marketing to us. Mm -hmm. They're figuring out where their ideal candidates are spending their time and then they're getting in front of them over the long haul. It's smart. I mean, again, I, I know this is naive, but I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that, that, what's happening. And so not just for me, I'm not looking, but for those folks who are in the workforce are looking to make a change in the workforce. That is really smart and a really great way to make that shift from days of old of just recruiting and recruiting marketing. It just has such a fun sound to it. Exactly. Exactly. Oh gosh. Well, hey, I do want to talk about this because I do think a lot of people are hanging on this for right now. And I know you mentioned the economy a couple of times. And I find this too with learning and development, and I'm sure other departments too, but some companies would pull back in employee brand when the economy does see that downturn. So we ultimately, right, then we as consumers or workforce members, we start to see layoffs. We start to see folks, organizations freezing their hiring. But what are your thoughts around that? I'm assuming that based on what you've told us, that's probably not the best idea to do in a time that we, you know, could feasibly be entering into. Yeah, it's not the best idea. And I'll tell you why a downturn is not the time to hit pause on employer brand. And it's because in order to be effective, your brand needs to be a drumbeat. So it's about consistency. And we talk a lot at Built In about the fact that brand is not a light switch. You cannot turn it on or off on a whim and expect to drive results. So okay, the economy is challenging, so maybe you're not hiring right now, but you will hire again. And building pipeline takes a lot of time. On average, and this is according to Axios, it takes 49 days to hire a software engineer. So that's on average, and just consider that typically it takes a whole lot longer. So when you hit the brakes on brand, what you're doing essentially is you really are putting your future at risk because when it's time to hire again, which it will be time to hire again, you're going to be working with an empty pipeline. So I think while we're sort of at this place in our conversation, which is the intersection of brand and the economy, you know, another point I'll make is that this time right now, so periods of economic uncertainty, they create a lot of white space opportunity to innovate. And we know this from the history of innovation. And the smartest companies right now, they're leveraging the down market to devise innovations that'll help them leapfrog ahead of the competition. So they're going to emerge as winners when the dust settles. The issue there is that they can only do that if they have the talent that they need, if they have talent with the skills to innovate. So ultimately, it's really about thinking about employer brand as a tool for, for right now, right? For all of the kind of 
ROI factors that we discussed, but also an investment in your future. And I would be so bold as to say, it's not really even about being successful in the future. It is about ensuring that your company has a future because the brands that are going to go radio silent right now, they're not going to be able to catch up when they need to hire because, as I mentioned, they'll be working with an empty pipeline. And those companies, they will just falter. So I really do believe it is about ensuring that you have not just an innovative future, but a future at all. I'm so glad we have people that geek out on this stuff, right? Like we need folks who really understand it and dig into it and can guide organizations at a time when we may just have a knee-jerk reaction as opposed to staying the course, you know? Absolutely. It's the companies that are staying the course. And, and, you know, I mean, honestly, as a side note, the reason I geek out about it is because as a writer, I'm a storyteller and employer brand is about storytelling. So if you have a drumbeat and you tell consistent stories, you're going to see results. Agreed. It's a power of story. story. You know, and it's so interesting because a lot of the folks that do join us on this podcast story always ultimately comes up at some point telling the story. So I I think that's kind of been a theme just in the work that we do probably. Oh, I love it. Well, Hey, just as you were talking, we're going to wrap up here, but I was thinking Tiffany of maybe we can have you back with, you know, have a couple guests on to talk specific design thinking or human centered design, but maybe related to a couple of different fields. So one would be like around employer brand discipline. Maybe we have somebody that could come on and talk about learning and development and how human-centered design is used there. That would be kind of fun. It would be great. Yeah, it would be great. We talk a lot about human-centered branding. Good. Built in. It's, it's really what we want for our customers. We want to help them amplify what's human-centered about their brand. All right. Well, we'll have to set that up because I think that would be a really unique perspective just to hear it from a couple of different functions from what, you know, a lot of our listeners sitting in that HR function are working with folks like yourself to make sure that we're hiring the best people and retaining the best people, both sides of that, hiring and retaining. Exactly. Well, hey, as I expected, this was so fun. Thank you so much for spending time with us. I know you're so busy, but we're so happy that you've been able to join us today. Cindy, thank you so much. And thank you for all of your um, your questions and your curiosity. You're a great interviewer. Um, yeah, have me on again. I would I, love- yeah, I'm planning it. I'm starting to think about further in the year. So yes, I'm excited about it. Awesome. All right. Well, Nine to Thrive listeners, just uh, wanted to give you a heads up here. Please send us an email at podcasts at hci.org. If you do have any suggestions for topics, we would love to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, a big thank you again to Tiffany. And of course, you all, our listeners, we so appreciate you tuning in. Make it a great day, everyone.